You are listening to audio from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. For more information, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org. If you have your Bibles, please open them with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 23. 2 Chronicles chapter 23. Working our way through the, the Bible on Wednesday nights, and tonight we're in that place of Israel's history where we are going through the kings as they relate to the southern portion of the kingdom there in Judah. Remember, the kingdom is divided during this time in Israel's history. Ten tribes in the north known as Israel, two tribes in the south known as Judah. Chronicles tracks primarily the southern kingdom of Judah. There are some brief mention of the kings of the north, but primarily it's a, it's a history of the south because that's where Jerusalem was, the capital. And that's where David, King David's lineage would continue to reign. So the Second Chronicles wants to focus on the lineage of David. And we come to this place in Israel's history or Judah's history where there is no lineage of David on the throne. God had promised that there would always be a lineage of David to succeed. As long as the nation of Judah existed, a grandson or great-great-grandson, someone in the line of David would reign on that throne. But here tonight, we pick it up in this place in in Judah's history, there is no king of David on the throne, no lineage of David. In fact, there's a queen on the throne. And we're going to pick it up here tonight in chapter uh, 23. We'll actually, if you look with me, chapter 22, verse uh, 10, we'll kind of set the stage for it. Pick it up with me there, 2 Chronicles 22, verse 10. Now, when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal heirs of the house of Judah. But Jehoshabeth, the daughter of the king, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being murdered and put him and his nurse in a bedroom. So Jehoshabeth, the daughter of King Jehoram, the wife of Jehoiada, the priest, for she was the sister of Ahaziah, hid him from Athaliah so that she did not kill him. And he was hidden with them in the house of God for six years while Athaliah reigned over the land. You get the setting here. Athaliah sees that her son, who is of the king lineage of David, has died And she imagines that she will use this as an opportunity to take the throne for herself. Her husband is gone. She married into the lineage of David. She was not of the lineage of David. In fact, she was the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. She married into the southern kingdom. And now that her husband has passed, her her, uh, son has died, she assumes the throne for herself. And what does she do? She kills off all other possibilities for the throne. Who were those possibilities? Her grandsons. This is the kind of woman she was. This is the heart that she was walking in. This was a pure, evil, selfish move motivated by the devil himself. Satan knew that God had made promise that the nation of Judah would always have a lineage of David. This was an opportunity to stop the promise of God, stop the word of God from being fulfilled. If we can kill off all of the lineage potentials of David, then the promise will not be true. God's word would have failed. But God watches over his word, doesn't he? God watches over his word to perform it. And we see that there was one grandson that she missed because one of her daughters hid him from her wrath and stole him away. She was related to the throne. She was also the wife of the high priest. They took this young child and hid him in the temple. The the priest and the wife hid the young great-great-grandson of David, keeping him available for the throne when he would come of age. And this is where we pick it up now in chapter 23. Look with me. Pick it up in verse 1. In the seventh year, Jehoiada strengthened himself. Now, he's the high priest helping hide the grandson. And made a covenant with the captains of hundreds, Azariah, the son of Jehoram, Ishmael, the son of Jeho- 
Hananan, sorry, Azariah, the son of Obed, and uh, Messiah, the son of Adiah, and Elisaphat, the son of Zikri. Not sure about all those names, but we're, we're trying. And they went throughout Judah and gathered the Levites from all the cities of Judah and the chief fathers of Israel, and they came to Jerusalem. Then all the assembly made a covenant with the king in the house of God. What king? This small young lad. Now he's, what, seven, eight years old. And he said to them, Behold, the king's son shall reign as the Lord has said of the sons of David. We've got a son of David here. He is entitled to the throne. Verse 4, this is what you shall do. One-third of you entering on the Sabbath of the priests and the Levites shall be keeping watch over the doors. One-third shall be at the king's house and one-third at the gate of the foundation. All the people shall be in the courts of the house of the Lord. But let no one come into the house of the Lord except the priests and those of the Levites who serve. They may go in, for they are holy, but all the people shall keep the watch of the Lord. And the Levites shall surround the king on all sides, every man with his weapons in his hand. And whoever comes into the house, let him be put to death. You are to be with the king when he comes in and when he goes out. So the Levites and all Judah did according to all that Jehoiada the priest commanded. And each man took his men who were to be on duty on the Sabbath with those who were going off duty on the Sabbath, for Jehoiada the priest had not dismissed the divisions. So this is a very secret kind of gathering, and he's doing it in a way that no one's noticing. He's gathering these forces. Verse 9, And Jehoiada the priest gave to the captains of hundreds the spears and the large and small shields, which had belonged to King David, that were in the temple of God. Just happened to have some weapons in the temple, some of David's old uh, armory. Verse 10, Then he said, All the people, every man with his weapon in his hand, from the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple, along by the altar and by the temple, all around the king, and they brought out the king's son, put the crown on him, gave him the testimony, and made him king. Then Jehoiada and his sons anointed him and said, Long live the king. You see what's happening here. Jehoiada has kept this grandson in hiding. He has now come of age and he kind of gathers the leaders, gathers the Levites, all those that would be wanting to stand with this young king. He arms them and he goes through the the formal anointing and declaring of him to be the king. We're going we're to anoint him. We're going to put him on the throne. This queen, this, this daughter of uh, Ahab and Jezebel is not to be ruling in Judah. She's not entitled to the throne. She has usurped the power. She's tried to kill off all the lineage, but God has preserved this one. And this priest and his wife, they come to the aid of the whole kingdom And this is who God uses in this moment for such a time as this to preserve his word over the nation. David will have a son to sit on this throne. Jehoiada becomes really an example of a godly leader. This man puts his life at risk. This man puts himself against all of the politics and the power of the day. Uh, Athaliah had given her, had put herself in power. She surrounded herself with, with uh, you know, military might, and she is now ruling and reigning for six years. She's pretending to rule the nation. She's an illegitimate ruler. She's the queen of Judah. There was never to be anyone but one of the sons of David. And so this uh, uh, Jehoiada and his wife step in, intercede for the nation. And God uses them. We're going to see what, what happens. But just a thought, few thoughts here for us. This example of godly leadership in Jehoiada. Just a few things that we can identify with him. And I think they help us understand what godly leadership should look, look like. First of all, he had a godly wife, didn't he? That's a good start. If you want to be a godly leader, make sure you've got a godly spouse. Together as a team, you become a force that God can use. A divided house cannot stand. Uh, uh, How can two walk together unless they be in agreement? When husband and wife come together 
and unify in the Lord and and God's calling upon their household for the Lord, they become a force. And this is a husband and wife working together, and they do make a great team. Also, Jehoiada, he honors God and his word. He doesn't care about this Athaliah. He doesn't care that, that she's surrounded herself with power and that she's ruling and no one dare threaten her lest they be you know, in, in fear of death. He knows that God has spoken over the nation. Notice verse 3, Behold, the king's son shall reign as the Lord has said of the sons of David. Godly leadership ultimately has to rise up and honor God and his word. Even in the face of difficulty, even in the face of being politically incorrect, and even in the face of a culture that is resisting everything that he's trying to do, this is what God has promised. This is where we will make our stand, with God's word, with God's purpose, for God's kingdom. And so this leader rises to the occasion. He doesn't, he's not concerned about peer pressure, culture, politics, military might against him. All of his concern is for the Lord and his will and his word. This is not Jehoiada, Jehoiada uh, pushing his own agenda. This is not a man looking to exalt himself. He's looking to honor the Lord. In fact, he puts himself at great risk. He takes this young king. All of it is to honor what God has established for the nation. He's not using this for his own purpose, but rather to further the the concern of God. And that's what godly leaders do. They look to see God honored for God's kingdom, God's agenda to be advanced, not their own. And then he leads others to obey God. He unifies them. He leads them. He arms them. And this is what godly leaders do. They they, they restate what God has declared, what God wants, and then they they gather the troops. They gather the people of God and say, let's unify. Let's stand for God. Let's do what we know God has promised. We've got this young lad. He's ready. Let's anoint him to be king. Let's see how Athaliah responds. Verse 12. Now, when Athaliah heard the noise of the people running and praising the king... She came to the people in the temple of the Lord. And when she looked, there was the king standing by his pillar at the entrance. And the leaders and the trumpeters were by the king. All the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. Also the singers with musical instruments and those who led in praise. So Athaliah tore her clothes and said, Treason, treason. And Jehoiada the priest brought out the captains of hundreds who were set over the army and said to them, take her, out, take her outside under guard and slay with the sword whoever follows her. For the priest had said, do not kill her in the house of the Lord. So they seized her and she uh, went by the way of the entrance of the horse gate into the king's house and they killed her there. Just to notice, she comes out and what does she say? Treason, treason. Who's the real treasonous one in this story? Who's the real treacherous evil? The one who's killed her own grandchildren to usurp the authority of God's promise over his people and his nation. It's just a glimpse into the spiritual blindness that comes upon someone who has set their heart against God. They have, she has so determined that you know, she will undo what God has promised for her own selfish ambition. And when, you, when that sets into the heart, even when God is performing his word, she thinks it's treasonous. She thinks she's the victim. Really? You're the one that's being uh, you know, treated badly here. No, you're the one that's getting really justice. This is not treason. This is God setting the house in order but just a glimpse of her blindness. Look on now, verse 16. Then Jehoiada, again the priest, made a covenant between himself, the people, and the king that they should be the Lord's people. And all the people went to the temple of Baal and tore it down. They broke in pieces its altars and images and killed Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars. Also Jehoiada appointed the oversight of the house of the Lord to the hand of the priests, the Levites, 
whom David had assigned in the house of the Lord to offer the burnt offerings of the Lord, as it is written in the law of Moses, with rejoicing and with singing, as it was established by David. And he set the gatekeepers at the gates of the house of the Lord, so that no one who was in any way unclean should enter. Then he took the captains of hundreds, the nobles, the governors of the people, and all the people of the land, and brought the king down from the house of the Lord. And they went through the upper gate to the king's house and set the king on the throne of the kingdom. So all the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was quiet, for they had slain Athaliah with the sword. Jehoiada establishes the, the rulership back to the throne of David. But not only the king's place, he also uses it as an opportunity to restore true worship. This is truly a godly man and a godly leader. He tears down the false idols of Baal. He gives oversight to the house of God back to the priests and the Levites, whom God had set to oversee those things, to offer burnt offerings to the Lord. That was an expression of worship and continual fellowship with God. But also with rejoicing and singing, he reinstitutes praise and music and worship back in the temple. Things that had been long lost, long lost for six years while this evil woman thought she could rule the land and set up these false idols, these false places of worship, had shut down the true worship in the house of God. Jehoiada makes covenant with the people and they restore true worship. He sets up gatekeepers, these that were there to preserve the integrity of the temple. In other words, the fear of God being brought back into the worship. The gatekeepers were to keep those who were not were unclean from going into the holy place of the temple. So it's, it's symbolic, but it's, it's re- reminding the people that God is holy in our midst, and there needs to be a fear and a respect for him and his dwelling among us. And all of this is is to restore the right place of God in the nation. And he restores David's lineage to the throne according to God's word. And what do we see? The kingdom is immediately blessed. The people come to a place of peace. And no doubt there were many in the land that were, were chafing under this queen who had taken the throne uh, in an you know, unjust way. No doubt there were many waiting for someone to stand and restore the true king and restore true worship back into the nation, and the people come to a place of peace. We're going to stop here tonight, and I want to provide just some spiritual application for us, some things to consider tonight. We're going to read on, of course, and and next week we'll take a look at uh, how this young king does under the new rulership that he's given. There's blessing. There's also trial and trouble. But tonight, I just wanted to focus on this ministry of Jehoiada, the priest. As I was thinking about uh, this, this man's leadership and how he really restored things there in the temple and in the nation, putting the rightful king back on the throne, restoring true worship and, and true you know, the presence of God back in the nation, I was thinking, you know, Lord, in a lot of ways, what Jehoiada did was the same ministry that the Holy Spirit does in our time. The same zeal that Jehoiada had for putting the king on the throne and restoring the rightful worship back in the heart of the temple and the people. I want to give a spiritual application in the same way the Holy Spirit is active in our lives, in our church and our fellowship for the, with the same spirit of Jehoiada. The Holy Spirit longs to restore true worship in the heart of his people. The Holy Spirit longs to have the rightful king in his place, Jesus, to be glorified and to be Lord of our life. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit, always active, always working, always looking to bring about God's will in the heart and life of his people individually and his people corporately as a church. So I want to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit tonight and and just kind of using what we see, the traits of Jehoiada, 
and kind of lay those over now on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the true children of God are led by the Spirit of God. So true faith, true Christian living are those who, who are being led by the Holy Spirit. In the same way that Jehoiada took leadership amongst the people and brought deliverance and brought spiritual restoration, so the Holy Spirit is longing to lead us as his people. Are we not now the temple of the Holy Spirit? Are we not now those that God has made alive spiritually and wants to rule and reign and lead us in our hearts? And so this ministry of the Holy Spirit, I want to look at a couple of verses. Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit before he sent the Holy Spirit. This is in John 16, verse 7. I think I can have this for you. Take a look at these verses with me. Jesus is talking to his disciples. They're kind of sad because he's telling them he's getting ready to be crucified. This is all just before the cross. And he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now think about that for a minute. That's a pretty radical statement. Imagine you're a disciple and you've been traveling with Jesus for the most recent three and a half years, and you've seen the miracles. You've heard the teaching. You've enjoyed just the company and intimate fellowship of Jesus at your side every day. Jesus, what are we doing today? What's up? What's on the agenda today? Are you going to walk on water again? Are you going to calm a storm? Who are we going to heal today? Jesus, what's happening today? And then Jesus looks and says to them, guys, guess what? I'm getting ready to give my life. I'm ready, getting ready to leave you. But here's the good news. It's going to be better for you when I'm gone. What? How could it ever be better, Jesus, than what we've had you right here working and ministering in our lives? Think of the endorsement that Jesus is giving to the Holy Spirit. There's something better, guys, than walking and hanging out with me and, and serving with me and all that you've seen, all that you've done. There's something even better than you being with me. And the better will be the Holy Spirit being in you. And he talks a little bit about what that Holy Spirit's ministry will be. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not seek his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. You see what Jesus is saying. The Father has given everything to me, and I am entrusting everything to the Holy Spirit to declare it to you. You see, Jesus was getting ready to give his life. Jesus was getting ready to be resurrected, and even as he is today, he is in heaven at the right hand of all authority, interceding for us. So, but the Holy Spirit has been sent. So Jesus was leading those disciples day by day, but now the Holy Spirit is leading not only those disciples, but all of his disciples. It'd be pretty hard for Jesus to be everywhere across the earth, leading and teaching and helping. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can be with all of us all the time, anywhere, anytime. We, this is truly a better relationship that is offered than even the kind of personal relationship of walking and being with Jesus. We are now with Jesus in the Spirit because the Holy Spirit has come, taken up residence in our life, and is now leading us as his people. The Holy Spirit is, is entrusted to lead your life. You are not walking as a Christian in your own strength alone. You are not just, you've not just been given truth and information about salvation and now do your best, you know. Hope, we'll see you in heaven. Hopefully you'll be okay till you get there. That's not the faith that we have. It's not just information about what God has done for us in Christ. There is an impartation of himself that has been deposited in our life. You are born again of the Spirit. 
And God's Spirit lives in you. The book of Romans says that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. That's a, that's a lot of power, that Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. He's now alive in you and in me. And the Holy Spirit longs to lead our life. And this is the opportunity that we have as believers. You, you are not alone. You do not have to live the Christian life in the dark, kind of bumping and wondering what's happening. You don't have to even look to the Scriptures and try to figure it out in your own wisdom, in your own strength. Jesus said, no, He will lead you and guide you into all truth. The Spirit of God will open up the truths of Scripture to your heart, to your life. Maybe you've tasted that in your Christian walk. Maybe you've experienced that moment where you're reading the Bible and all of a sudden some kind of illumination comes to your heart and mind. It almost jumps off the page. It feels like it. Like, wow. I've read that so many times before, but wow, it's just, you know, just struck me. And what do you think that is? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God bringing the truth of his word alive in your heart. Listen, we read the Bible. We're not just gathering information. We're gathering spiritual food and life, and the Holy Spirit is activating it in the heart of those that are listening and believing. Isn't that what Jesus said about the the Word of God? It goes out like a seed into the hearts, and depending on the the, the soil of the heart determines kind of the the life and, and fruitfulness that the seed is able to bring, but that seed is alive. And the heart that is believing, the Holy Spirit produces life and fruit as you study and allow God's Word to come alive in your heart. Talking about godly leadership, and I'm talking about individual believers that desire to be led. You want leadership in your life? Allow the Holy Spirit to have His way. You want leadership in our church? Let's allow the Holy Spirit to have His way. Now, we know that God does raise up leaders to help shepherd his people. The scripture tells us that he has given gifts to men, called some to be pastors and teachers and leaders. But even those those leadership, those men that lead, even pastors that teach and, and shepherd, all of that is done under the direction of the Holy Spirit. You don't think I have anything to offer you, do you? What leadership can I provide you? I'm just the blind leading the blind if it's just if it's if I'm without the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who may call and gift a man, but it's the Holy Spirit who ultimately activates these truths in your heart and in your life. And together, we are to be led by the Spirit of God, not by man's clever strategy, not by any marketing scheme or, you know, new trend that we can figure out how to, you know, better, you know, be effective Christians. I'm not against any practical things that we can learn and and think about and talk about. But in the end, it's the Holy Spirit that leads the work, the church, and the kingdom of God. This is a spiritual entity. This is not a corporation. This is, you know, this is not some company. This is not some group, a social gathering. This is a, a, a spiritual organism called the body of Christ, the kingdom of God. We are his people, and we are to be alive and activated by his spirit. And the same things that we looked at here tonight, the same ministry of Jehoiada working in the heart of his people, are very similar to the things that the Holy Spirit is longing to do in the life of God's people in the New Testament. They had a man, a priest. We have the Holy Spirit in the same way that the, that Jehoiada decided that he would not give place to the culture and the politics and the pressure, that he would stand for the truth of God's Word and God's purpose and God's kingdom. That's the same thing the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. Do you know that? The Holy Spirit doesn't want you getting persuaded or influenced or in fear of or cowering to the world and the agenda 
of whatever the enemy might be marching against you. Whatever Athaliah, whatever queen devil has come against you. And I'm, guys, don't look at your wives. We're not talking about that. We're talking about spiritually. Whatever would come against you. Listen, the Holy Spirit wants to rise up within you and, and, and remind you that God and His Word are true and that if you will honor God and His Word, He will bless and He will guide. And He wants to do that in your life. The same way that He tore down the false idols of Baal. So the Holy Spirit, don't you know the Holy Spirit wants to purge out anything that's, of un, that's not of God in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives? The Holy Spirit is always looking to purge and to clean. Not to condemn, and not to, but, but to purge, to clean, to heal, to restore true worship. In the same way that Jehoiada put the priests and put the gatekeepers and, and restored the fear of God and the worship of God, and the offering, the burnt offerings that would rise up, those were symbolic of fellowship and communing with God. So the Holy Spirit is wanting to do that in your heart, even tonight, that you would have fellowship with Him to restore true worship, to set gatekeepers around your heart to keep those things out that are unholy, that the fear of God would reign in your heart. There would be this commitment to Him, This is the action and work of the Holy Spirit. And in the same way that Jehoiada wanted to put the rightful king on the throne, don't you know the Holy Spirit wants to put the rightful king on the throne of your heart? Jesus said, he will glorify me. The Holy Spirit comes to glorify Christ in your life and through your life. The Holy Spirit is is intended to lead not only the church, but each and every individual within the church. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit in our church. We need the Holy Spirit in our services. Listen, I don't want to just gather and, and, and give out information. I don't want to just gather and us, you know, um, just kind of learn a few more things from the Bible. I want that to happen, but that's not all that I want to happen. I really want us to come and fellowship with God. I want when we come together, we sense the presence of God in our midst. We sense that the Holy Spirit is in charge here. We sense that the Holy Spirit is among his people, that he wants to lead, that he wants to work in your life. And I am convinced in our day and in our time, that that is ultimately the only thing that is really going to make an impact and difference in our culture. The presence of God, the Holy Spirit working in the life of his people, in the life of his congregation, for the glory of God to be light and salt in our day. We need the Lord. You need the Lord. You need the Holy Spirit to be leading your life. You need God to be uh, the, the rightful king. Jesus is the rightful king of your life. You know, the Holy Spirit is, is so able to do what you and I cannot do in our own strength. Even those things that you long to do, even those things, gosh, I wish I could be better at this. I, I desire to be this kind of a believer. Do you know that apart from the Spirit of God, You can long for that. You can try for that. But without the Spirit of God, His grace, His help, you will never really accomplish that. You can't do it in the flesh. You can't do it with good intentions and sincere hearts. You need those things, but you ultimately need the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to speak to you something into your heart tonight because I I feel that going forward as a church, this this is essential for us. We need the Spirit of God. We need Him in our midst, in our gatherings. That's why worship is so precious to me. You know, we just read it even here tonight, Jehoiada, as he's setting up the temple, as he's getting things back in line. Yes, the burnt offerings. Yes, the priests. Yes, the gatekeepers. But also the singers, the worshipers. Let there be worship and praise rising again in the temple. And let there be worship and praise rising again in these temples. There is something about that worship expression 
that I believe the Holy Spirit inhabits. I believe that the Holy Spirit is very active in the heart that is sincerely worshiping and praising the Lord. You say, yeah, but I don't have a very good voice. Well, don't sing too loud, but sing. <laughs> Listen, do you, think, do you think that matters? Do you think that that's the issue? Do you think that's what God is after? God is after the heart. Isn't there something about the music? Let's be honest. Music does engage. It does move us. That's a gift from the Lord. That it would not just be stale and, and kind of this rigid information time. We come, we talk, we leave. No, we come, we worship. We, we study the Word because we want to hear from heaven. We want the Holy Spirit to bring it to life. I'm asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want to say to your people? Lord, give me insight from these passages. I don't want to just give out information. I can send you all home with great commentaries. No, I want heaven to be in our midst. God, anoint the teaching. Let it be prophetic. Let it be under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And that the truth would come and move you. You would sense God speaking to your heart. You would, it would be uh, that strong in, in our times together, the Holy Spirit in our midst. You know, I was, as I shared with you on Sunday, I just got back from uh, a pastor's conference. And uh, it was in New York at the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And, and that place always kind of charges me up. I don't know why, but it, there, that is, I do sense the Lord's presence uh, when I'm in those services. But I wanna, I'm going to close tonight. I'm going to ask Tony to come, get ready. We're going to close with some worship a little early tonight because I just, I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to come and encourage your heart tonight. But uh, the conference ended on a Tuesday night. Tuesday night is the, is a, is the prayer meeting at this particular church. And uh, the leading pastor invited all those pastors that were there at the con- uh, conference. The congregation was there, and there was about uh, 50, 60 pastors and their wives that were there. He invited us all to come forward and then the congregation to kind of stand behind us and then some of their leaders, pastors, and elders to come and pray for us and lay hands on, our, on us as pastors being encouraged and we were getting ready to, to close and leave. And as we were standing there, you know, uh, my son was with me. He and I were standing together. And, you know, it's kind of loud. The congregation is praying. And it's, they're, they're praying out loud. And it's kind of a loud rumble of prayer, you know. So you can't really, you can't even talk to one another and really hear each other. There's this very loud in this moment. The church is just praying for us. But there's some elders and pastors kind of moving through and laying their hands on these various pastors and praying. And this one young man is praying for a guy next to me. And I mean, he is praying. In the name of Jesus. He's praying up and above the crowd. He wants to make sure we can hear him. And he is praying a powerful just, you know, and I'm like kind of scooting away a little bit. Lord, I, that, I don't, you know, I'm going to be next. You know, I'm not sure. He's just moving through. Well, sure enough, he finishes up with this guy and he comes over to me. And, you know, it's just this prayer. Nobody, nobody's, it's all happening kind of in the moment. And, but he puts his hand on my shoulder, and this, this young man begins to pray. And as he's praying, you know, okay, now I'm ready. Okay, Lord, just let him pray. <laughs> but as he begins to pray, it becomes very evident to me that it's not just him praying, but that the Holy Spirit is giving him insight on how to pray. He begins to share some, speak some things in his prayer that were very personal. Like, you know, the scripture says that when the Holy Spirit is active, that the secrets of men's hearts will be revealed. And this young man, he didn't know me. He'd never met me before. We didn't even meet afterwards. He prayed and moved on. But he revealed the secrets of my heart. And it moved me because it was the Lord opening up my heart through this young man's prayer. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart that way and begins to, it, it's, it's like this confirmation, hey, I know you, and I know what you're going through. He kind of hit on three things. I'll share them with you, but it, it, it's not that important as to what it was. It's just that it, it's where I was. It's what I needed. 
The first thing he said was, Lord, please heal this pastor and comfort this pastor from any disappointments that he is struggling with. Now, that word disappointment, I can't share all with you the, how deep some of those secrets are in my heart, but I, I hold some disappointments in my heart. There are some hurts deep, deep in my soul. You don't know them as a congregation. No one knows them, but I know them. And that's the very word that I have prayed out to the Lord. Lord, help me with some of these disappointments in my own life, in my own ministry, in, in, in my vision for what I desire and long God to do in our church, in my life, in my family. There are things that I'm waiting on. And, and as you wait for them, you know, the longer you wait, they, they tend to morph into disappointments, don't they? Do you know what I'm saying? And, and so I've been wrestling with that. That's just been a personal struggle with me. Lord, I don't, I don't want to be a man in, of disappointment. And when he, when he called that out, you know, that's not the word you normally pray for people. Lord, help them in their disappointments. The Holy Spirit just, boom. That was the first thing he prayed. And when that word came out, I knew the Holy Spirit just, you know, I began to just kind of, you know, really become emotional. I was moved. And then he said something else, which again was very important for me in that moment. He said, Lord, remind him that you are not finished with him yet. And he said it louder and with a lot more zeal than that. You are not finished with him yet. Okay. <laughs> and behind that, Lord, tell him tonight, don't shrink back. The Lord is not finished with you yet. Don't you shrink back. And I'm telling you, that's, you know, I just turned 58. I'm getting old. I'm thinking, God, you're about finished, aren't you? I'm feeling a little... I mean, really, you know, you start to think, okay, Lord, things are changing. But this was a word from the Lord for me in this prayer. And then finally, the third final thing is he prayed that God would give me the wisdom and the discernment to navigate the course that has already been set out for me. It was a beautiful prayer. It was a prophetic prayer. It was the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the moment encouraging my heart. I just sat through two and a half days of pastor conference, and I, I was blessed. But I want to tell you, in those two minutes of a man speaking into my life under the inspiration and prophecy of the Holy Spirit, I was greatly encouraged because the Lord made it so personal. The Lord reminded me that He knows, that He sees, that He's working that he loves me, that he's working in, in his plan and purpose for my life. I desire, so coming away with that, I long for that for all of us. The, the verse that came to mind was when Paul was talking in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He said, you know, when, when the Holy Spirit is working and active in the church, he said, even unbelievers will come in and they will, the secrets of their hearts will be revealed. God's word will be going forth. The Holy Spirit will be so present, so moving that the secrets of men's hearts will be revealed. They will fall down on their faces before the Lord and they will say, surely God is among this people. This is what Paul said would be the fruit of the Holy Spirit active in the life of the church. This is what I'm asking the Lord for us. That God, and listen, I'm so grateful for what we do have. And I do believe the Lord is among us. I do believe that we have the Lord in our services. But I'm asking for even a greater ministry of His Spirit. And I'm sharing this with you, using this text kind of as a, a spiritual application for us to see the fruit, the benefit when the Holy Spirit is leading your life, my life, our lives. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to work among us. Let's come with some expectation that God is in our midst. 
that God can encourage me tonight, that God can speak to me tonight. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you right now. We looked at some things. My guess is the Holy Spirit is already revealing your heart. Some of you need, some of you need to reestablish the rightful king. And you know it. You know that you've set the true king of your heart aside because you're, you're on your own agenda. Some of you need to tear down some of those false idols that have kind of lodged in and begin to move into your heart. Some of you need to be reminded that God's word is true and what he's promised you will come to pass. There will be a fulfillment of what God's word has declared over your life. And you just needed to hear that. Just as Jehoiada said, God will have a son of David on the throne. And God will accomplish the purposes that he has in your life. These are little bullets from the message, but I'm persuaded that God is speaking to your heart. You've got to receive that from the Lord. That's not just a man speaking. That's not just a story being read. The Holy Spirit is activating truth in your heart. Allow him. Respond to that. Give place to that. I want us to worship here tonight, and then I'm going to close us in some prayer. But even as we worship, now I'm asking you to, to join my heart, and let's just Let's just fellowship with the Lord. Let's just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us tonight. Maybe he's already spoken. Let him affirm and confirm that. Maybe there's more that he will minister even into your heart now as we worship. Would you stand with me? And we'll close with some worship, and then I'll, I'll close us out in prayer. Spirit, lead us. Lead us to trust you wherever you would guide, wherever you would direct Lead us out onto the waters. Lead us out into that race that you have set before us. Lead us by your Spirit. I want to pray for you tonight. If you feel compelled to respond tonight, Lord spoke to you in some very direct way. I want you to come and join me here at the front for prayer. It may be that you need to reestablish the king of your heart to be led by the Spirit. It may be that some of you, like me, are struggling with maybe a disappointment that has caused you to wonder pray you'd be encouraged as I was. God's not finished. Don't shrink back. Let God heal. Let God restore. Let God reestablish his lordship, his rule, his reign. Allow his spirit to lay hold of your heart again. To guide you, to lead you into all truth to glorify Christ in your life. I'm going to pray for those that have responded. I want us to sing that chorus again. Or you got another one for us, Tony? Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's a good one. Let's pray. Church, just, just pray with me as we pray for these hearts responding tonight. So, Lord, we are thankful for the ministry of your Holy Spirit and that we can see even through the word of your faithfulness in the days of the kings of Israel that you have ever been about good for your people, that you have ever been at work to establish relationship built on love, 
on worship, on trust, on your spirits leading and guiding us into all truth. Lord, there are deep things here tonight in the hearts of people that have come. Things, Lord, that are secrets of the heart. But I believe that you've spoken to them tonight. They're here because you've revealed the secrets of their heart. Not to all of us, but to them. That they know, God knows, I see you. I love you. I'm with you. I know the struggle. I know the difficulty. I know the longing. I know the waiting. I know, I know. I love you. I'm with you. Trust me. Let me lead. Let me guide. Let me speak to your heart. Don't quench. Don't grieve. Give place to the Holy Spirit in your life. He will ever lead you into places that are good, places that are right, that are true, that are peaceful, that are joyful. Oh God, help us to trust the leading of the Holy Spirit. Fill your people tonight afresh and anew. Pour out your Holy Spirit in abundance, God, to overflowing. Speak to them from the Word. Speak to them, God, on the way as they come, as they go. May the Spirit of God be whispering in their ear. This is the way. Walk in it. This is my love over you. This is my grace. Trust me, Lord, that you would be leading your people from glory to glory, just as Jesus promised that it would be to their advantage to have the Holy Spirit in their lives. So, God, Bring this grace to your people tonight, and you know each heart, each need. Meet it with confidence, with assurance, with love, with truth, with comfort, with direction, with wisdom, with peace. We thank you, Lord. We love you. And God, we just want to finish tonight with a song of worship that invites your presence in our lives, in our midst in our hearts. We give this to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. We pray you have been blessed by this sermon. For more information, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org.